This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. So you're here because you want to know modern, vintage, everything in the world of card collecting today. Chuck, he's the collector, and Joe, he's the dealer, welcome you to the best card talk that covers it all. From the hottest new cases to 67 high numbers, all brought to you by Oxygen Financial. Breathe easier about life with Oxygen Financial. Visit OxygenFinancial.net and buy sports card investor the leading source for videos podcasts and articles about investing in sports cards profit from the hobby you love by visiting sportscardinvestor.com collector dealer take it away oh yeah he's right it's another edition of the collector and the dealer this is episode 26 this is how you make money with modern cards i'm chuck oliver i'm the collector he's joe davis he's the dealer joe how you doing man I'm doing great, Chuck. This hobby is just smoking hot today. Yeah, and you're a busy man, ain't no doubt about it. Tell folks uh, how they can join the the choir of folks uh, beating a path to your front door and then also uh, online to uh, get in touch with Joe and Got Baseball Cards. Sure, yeah, they can go to our website, gotbaseballcards.com. They can shop with us on eBay. We're a seller of Got Baseball Cards. And check out our new YouTube channel under Got Baseball Cards Joe Davis. We've just set up a new studio. We're pro- providing all kind of content there. All right. Uh, we said this is how you make money with new cards, with modern cards, uh, even with some some vintage if you wanted to. But I, I'm, I'm going to concentrate mostly on a lot of new releases and modern cards. Joe, walk listeners through what happens. And I'm just going to give you an example or two. Uh, maybe they open a new box of Topps Chrome or Bowman, et cetera. They get some hits. Uh, what is the most effective way to turn those into money, possibly to buy more boxes or whatever else? Well, what we normally recommend, you know, on the front end, when you're buying the box, that's the gambling side. That's just the fun of popping the box. You know, once you're done, once you've had your fun of the opening and seeing who you get, then, then it's time to call out, Hey, here's who are the stars. Here are the rookies. Here's who maybe I should actually invest money into grading the cards. You know, at at that process, you know, the way that process works is I say, here's your hot rookies. I would recommend grading these, sending them off. Uh, so, you know, it, we have a lot more customers though, when you're talking about investing in the modern cards, they just buy up quantities of the rookie cards. So like, give me a hundred, uh, Luis Robert or, or, or excuse me, Robert, uh, or, uh, Jason Dominguez or whomever they'll, they'll, they'll order a hundred, they'll order a thousand just in quantity, just the straight card and not even go through the process of ripping packs or a box. Yeah, I actually have one client who sent us 8,500 modern rookie cards to get graded. And it was quantities of the guys you just named, quantities of Gavin Lux and Robert and Dominguez, just stack after stack of, it, it was it was astounding. I'm like, where did he come up with all of these? But uh, so he, and I don't know that he's open to any packs. He just goes out on eBay or orders from us or whoever and buys up quantities of rookie cards 
gets them graded, and then uh, that, that's how he turns the dollars. Well, would you give uh, have any sort of tips to maybe save missteps or wasted time or wasted money? Like it, it, some don't do this. We talk about the do this, do this, do this. What about some of the uh, pitfalls to avoid? Well, I mean, honestly, you know, it's rare you're going to hear this from a dealer, but I'm going to tell people if you're trying to make money, your wisest decision is probably not to sit down and open an entire case of a new product at $200 a box. You and I actually had this conversation. You know, uh, I reckon if you're, if you're purely in it for the investment, then do your research, figure out the guys you want to invest in, buy up cards of those players. We always tell people buy cards that'll grade well, because then that takes it to the next level. Um, if you're just opening, that's more of the collector having fun. Hey, I love this hobby. I want to open a new box. And I'm still that collector at heart. I still bring boxes home and I sit here and I open them in my living room. So, you know, I still do that. But if you're talking about I, this is purely an investment, I purely want to use this as a means to hopefully grow my wealth, then I recommend buying up new rookie cards that you've done the research on, guys you believe in investing in ones that will grade well, getting them graded, and then hope for hope that player pans out. All right. Now, Joe, uh, I, I've told you, everybody on earlier episodes, uh, you hooked me. You're just like a, a, a different kind of dealer. He gave me a blaster box for free to get me hooked, and now he's selling me Allen and Ginter. Um, I got a Fernando Tatis autograph. I sent you a picture of it, a gold-bordered autograph of Fernando Tatis on-card autograph in Allen and Ginter. Here's the cool part. I think for most people, they're like, oh, my gosh, that's the hit. That's the highlight. I actually just like the cards versus the hits. And so I'm looking at that Tatis card as a way to – I can flip that on eBay and kind of finance my purchase of the entire box plus a a profit. Exactly. Yeah, and and I actually have a longtime collector who does the same thing. He buys boxes. He's a doctor. He buys boxes, and he – it wants to build the set and then he'll hit a huge card and he'll like, yeah, I may just sell that thing or, you know, don't, you know, it's cool, but that's not my goal. My goal is to build the set. And so sometimes we'll grade those for him and so forth. So. All right. You know, something you were referencing uh, that we had had a conversation about was 2020 gypsy queen. And I want to ask you, do you have any general advice for the buy a box, buy a case and stash sort of guy who wants to purchase boxes or, or our cases better, uh, put them in the closet, return in a year, two years. Uh, you told me last month that the gypsy queen from March that I had decided I'd fallen in love with, you're like, mm, fall in love somewhere else, Chuck. You said it came out as roughly a hundred dollar box, thousand dollar case. You said it's roughly double that now. And it's actually even gone up some since then. Um, you said, the, the, if you want to do it and have fun, knock yourself out. But financially, it's just not there anymore. It wasn't supposed to be uh, that expensive. Uh, but there are people who bought, and then six months later, it has doubled. Uh, yeah. What is your general advice for somebody doing uh, going that route? Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at cards as an investment and you don't want to do all the research, you just have money and you want to put into something, I, I do recommend buying full cases. And the reason is, from some manufacturers and some products, they're guaranteed case hits. And so cases often bring a premium over individual boxes. You know, a, a 10 or 12 box case bring a premium over an equivalent number of loose boxes of that product because those, quote, case hits should still be in there. 
So it's it's safer to buy up cases than just loose boxes if you're buying for investment. Absolutely. And this is something we've covered before. And Joe, you can concur here that, you know, you can go on eBay and see just an odd number. Uh, I have six Allen & Ginner packs. I have five Gypsy Queen packs. That almost always is somebody who opened a box, opened the packs down to the point where the two or three hits were gone. They looked yep. at five packs that they know don't have hits, and so they're trying to sell those. So I have... Joe, I'll tell everybody, do not buy individual packs. Get at least a box, if not a case. Right, exactly. Yeah, you're, you're correct in that. And, and uh, I mean, a lot of times maybe people bought them at a Target or Walmart or maybe maybe it's a, a blaster box with a guaranteed jersey or a guaranteed autograph, and then they've opened three or four, like, oh, there's my auto. Nothing to, now I can just sell off the rest of these. And so, uh, yeah, you're going to be very careful buying loose modern pack or even vintage packs that matter but but especially uh loose modern packs because it, there's probably not going to be much in there all right joe we're going to get to the highlight of this first part of the episode i have been so excited about what i've done a couple of times up at your shop uh i had asked you a few episodes ago hey if somebody gives you 500 or a thousand dollars and say hey i want some you know fill me up an order just some nice cards well i, I actually started doing that myself and went up to your shop and I just want you to discuss where the opportunities are, because I'm going to tell people quickly, Joe, what I've been doing, uh, buying Hall of Fame cards from decades before. Now, that's the short version. Um, and you made an offhand comment that really opened my eyes. I said something about 84 tops Nolan Ryan and just breeze past it onto the next thing. And you kind of out of the corner of your mouth like, well, I go 84 Donners instead of tops. And then you went on to make your actual point. And I was like, whoa, whoa back up. I said, why 84 Donners instead of 84 Tops? And you said it, it might be the, the favorite or most, you know, collectible set from the entire decade. Um, it's a collector favorite. And so instead of 84 Tops, just get the Nolan Ryan from 84 Donners. The other was I showed you some, like, Clyde Drexler cards or Dominique cards or something from, like, 97, 98, 99. Uh, I believe it was Metal Universe. And I just picked them, and you're like, oh, yeah, Metal Universe really connected with collectors. And you said, that's the set to draw from. Okay, what other sets fall into that category? Yeah, I, I actually wrote an article on this uh, while back on my website called uh, The Iconic Card Chase. Because I, I, there are certain sets that I call the iconic sets. And there's different ones in every decade. And there's a, actually a lot of them modern. Sometimes it's the first year of a release. Like... Uh, 93 SP baseball. Of course, everybody knows about the Jeter card, but they're, you know, which is sold for like a hundred thousand in a, believe in a PSA 10, but there's also the chipper from that set's really popular. Uh, the Johnny Damon's actually popular, you know, because they're foil cards. Uh, the 92 Bowman's another iconic modern card. I mean, the 84 Donruss is certainly well known from the eighties, you know, as a set that people chase. And then the metal universe across all sports is continuing to trend very strongly because people just love the artwork that was used. Uh, it's the tipping point for those sets was a Michael Jordan, a high grade Michael Jordan sold for, uh, I forget the amount, but it was a staggering amount for a modern Michael Jordan non rookie card earlier this year. And then people started buying up all the other metal universe card. We had a run on metal universe commons for a few weeks. They were buying up every card. And so, um, you know, in, in other modern products, it's like the optic first year optic in every sport people buy up, you know, Russell Wilson's, even though it's a 2016 card, it's a fourth year card, but it's still his first optic card and people buy up the first Mike Trout, et cetera. 
Well, well let me ask you about um, some of those then, because uh, like your 84 Donruss box, and I, I, I'm Southern, and I probably spend too much time worrying about being rude, uh, but you had, I bet there were 15 84 Rod Carew cards. Um, to me, that's a 36-year-old card of a Hall of Famer that played in probably 15 All-Star games. Um, yep. How much, do, a top of your, what was that What was that card probably, each one of them? Three or four dollars. Okay, and that's because I had this stack of cards, and I'll be honest, Joe, I only took about half of the ones that I wanted because I was like, this is going to cost too much. And you start flipping through them, and you're like, Chuck, most of these are like three, four, five dollar cards. And I was like, I got no, literally nothing but Hall of Famers. Uh, are you okay if you have like 15 Rod Carews in there and I just take all 15 of them? Yeah, uh, it does. You know, that, that's what I do. I mean, you know, we, we buy and sell. I mean, I actually had a lady drop off a collection two days ago. I've still got to go through, but she had a number of 80 sets in there. So if we end up buying it from her, we'll probably break them back out and we'll, we'll have some more, you know, to offer. So, I, you know, there, there's certain things I get attached to, but, uh, you know, can't, can't be attached to everything as a dealer. Okay. So you're finding me finding, cause I bought like, I think there were 12, 84 Donruss, Tony Perez cards. And honestly, you could probably have all of those Tony Perez, 84 Donruss for the next 100 million years and not have anybody ask for them. But I bet that card, what was that? Maybe a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. 36-year-old card of a Hall of Famer in an iconic popular set for a buck. I'm in. I've also been doing that with basketball and football. Um, any hoops or or football sets from the late 80s to the even the mid-00s that I should be mining for quality or even, say, mid or even late career cards at reasonable prices? Um, and I want to ask you about two in particular. 91-92 Upper Deck. Uh, 92, 93 Fleer. I just, you sold me about 10 of each Larry Bird cards for, I'm going to guess those were probably in the two, three, four dollar range as well. Yeah, probably, probably two, three dollars. And, and, and those aren't great cards and great sets, but again, it's a 30 year old card almost of, a, of an iconic Hall of Famer. Um, talk about some more of those sets maybe that, that I should look at. Yeah, ones I really highly recommend are like 93, 94 Finest. Uh, because that's one of the first ever Chrome cards. And it was, you know, the Jordan is already a huge card out of that set. Um, earlier this year, I bought up a large quantity of the Larry Birds from that set, a large quantity of the Shaq, because it's only his second card, and it's his first Chrome card. So the 9394 Finest is a really good one. Um, same thing in football. Football did, uh, they did a 92 Finest test set it was a 30 card set with barry sanders uh, i believe emmett was in it elway um that was like the first chrome card ever released to my knowledge and so that's another iconic one um so now now that chrome is all the rage it's kind of cool going back to the early 90s when they first introduced it so there i'm i don't mind telling people i'm currently a buyer of a i'm buying up large quantities of kobe chrome cards from that era because i just think they're undervalued so uh, last thing i want to ask you about and and this is entry-level stuff but like the late 80s even early 90s skybox hoops etc um those are again charles barkley cards for a dollar um i know that they're not necessarily great high-end cards but joe 30 year old card of a hall of famer for a buck um yeah. to tell me if i'm going to be okay buying a bunch of hoops and skybox as well I recommend the Skybox over the hoops just because it's a little nicer design. There is a lot of the uh, the Jordans are trending out of that set. We've actually graded a lot of the Jordans out of the 1991 Skybox because it was a 
it was a breakthrough design for its for that time yeah. period you know and so I had the gold border they don't grade really well because it is a a frail gold border but high grades do bring well the hoops are still more they were, the hoops were more plentiful back then and they're still yeah. more yeah <laughs> it is a white border they do grade well but there's there's a lot of those around there's still a lot of those around all right Jeff. in today's fast-paced world your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are solutions like free business checking from lge community credit union free online and mobile banking no minimum balance required plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance at lge we're a smarter way to bank see what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org no monthly maintenance fees other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership, eligibility, and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. So uh, I appreciate uh, all the input on that front. We're going to take a quick break on The Collector and the Dealer. I told you we're here because of support from Oxygen Financial. They're a sponsor of the collector and the dealer, but where my wife and I are, that's also in part thanks to Oxygen Financial. We have been personal clients of Oxygen for several years now, and originally it was for help with our taxes, looking to pay what we're supposed to, but not more. And we had been paying more for years, actually, it turned out. With Oxygen's help, that immediately changed for the better. And my wife and I decided, let's see what Oxygen thinks of our investments and overall strategy. Well, three years later, after making that choice, I can tell you we breathe easier when it comes to the market than at any time before getting with Oxygen Financial. And that's including the current issues all of us everywhere are dealing with. If you might have a question about where you and your family are, any at all, take the step we did and visit OxygenFinancial.com. You can get a free copy of Oxygen's 21-Day Budget Cleanse, as well as Oxygen's guide on how to save up to $100,000 in taxes in 2020, just for telling them you heard Chuck talking about it. Breathe easier about life. Visit OxygenFinancial.com. A popular thought in the sports card world is that there's two camps, those that love the hobby and those that profit from the industry. Thanks to Sports Card Investor, you can do both. Jeff Wilson has built his Sports Card Investor YouTube channel and his personal website, sportscardinvestor.com, so that if you're a beginner looking to flip cards for cash or a returning veteran to the hobby wanting to make sure you get the best deals ahead of any emerging price trends, Sports Card Investor is for you. Sports Card Investor, the leading source for videos, podcasts, and articles about investing in sports cards. Profit from the hobby you love by visiting sportscardinvestor.com. Welcome back to The Collector and the Dealer. I am Chuck Oliver. I'm The Collector. He's Joe Davis. He's The Dealer. And he is Anson Whaley. He is the creator of prewarcards.com. Anson, welcome back, amigo. How you doing? I'm good, good. Thanks for having me. Oh, I appreciate your time. Uh, Joe and I just had a great time visiting with you before. And, uh, Joe, I know you'd, uh, you said that you had explored the site for the first time, and uh, you've said it's been a resource for you as well. Yeah, it's it's just awesome. I love the site. There's so much information. I could spend days and days on there, and that it just brings out the collector in me and uh, so much great, uh, great, great information there. 
All right, Anson, let's go ahead and start uh, with, I mean, the, the what's been driving the modern card market, and I want to know uh, how what the effect on the vintage card market has been, and, and certainly pre-war as well. Uh, what's happened with prices in the pre-war market over the course of the pandemic? There are record highs on the very high end of the market, Wagner, guys like that. But what about most pre-war? Have you seen any perceptible change over the last seven, eight months? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's driven by, you know, the, the high-end guys, Cobb, Wagner, and, uh, and, and Babe Ruth are, you know, the three that come to mind as far as uh, just, you know, not only doubling, but, you know, tripling and, and quadrupling in some cases. It, it's weird. I, I collected a, uh, a 1933 uh, a Gaudi set uh, years ago, and uh, I, I collected it without the roots and at the time. I think like the low end roost, you know, started at about 500 bucks. And I said, well, maybe I'll, I'll kind of take my time on those. And that, and now I don't think you can even get a beater for under a grand. I mean, stuff, stuff like that. And, and others, you know, really gone up, but even the, you know, the lower end uh, hall of famers, especially in things like T205, T206, the, uh, top the green really portrait. Popular, I'm sorry. The Cobb green portrait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, stuff like that. Um, you know, even even the the lesser Hall of Famers. I, it, you used to be able to, you know, you could get low grade guys for you know thirty or forty bucks when when I started collecting them a few years ago. And it it's hard to find anything you know presentable for you know double that these days. So it's those those have really uh, have jumped up. But even even commons and stuff. I mean, I'm I'm primarily a set collector, so I've really seen that. Uh, you know, even commons in, you know, the popular tobacco sets, T206 commons, you know, beaters are, you know, in that 20 to $25 range. And to be honest, when I first started collecting a few years ago, you, you could get some for under 10 bucks, and that just doesn't happen these days. So pretty much across the board, I mean, there, there's some stuff that's been, you know, a little stagnant. I haven't seen the kind of jumps in, you know, like the 30s gum cards maybe. Uh, with, with the exception of the, the real big name guys, but a lot of stuff pretty much across the board is just up. Hey, Anson, I was going to ask you with with all the sets you showcase on the site. I don't know if you you have analytics to keep up with which pages are getting hit on the most or anything like that. But as you kind of have a feel for for this stuff, do you uh, see any particular sets that are trending? Like over the last few months, are you seeing? any vintage sets trending like out of the blue, like, wow, people seem to really be interested in this issue and it hadn't really been that hot before. You seen any, any changes, any new things popping up on vintage sets that you haven't really noticed before? You know, that, that's a great question. I, I, I really, nothing's, nothing has popped out to the point that, that has really made me take notice. You know, I'll, I'll post an article uh, or, or a lot of times I'll just tweet out, you know, uh, an, an article that I've already done on a set, and, and obviously that'll skew the data. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that stuff will get more hits. But, you know, the biggest biggest stuff on the set or on the site that, you know, I, I typically see get hit are, you know, the really the really popular sets like T205 and T206. Uh, I do notice there's, and it's funny, um, I, I do notice, because I'm, I'm sort of a trade card guy, I I collect that stuff. Like I said, I, I primarily do sets, but I will pick up trade cards, um, you know, when I can, if, if the prices are, are right. And uh, I get a lot of hits to my trade card site. And I, I think that's, you know, partially due just because there's not a, a whole lot of information out there on, on those sets. And, and, and a lot of times, you know, on the individual cards, 
Um, so I, I get I get quite a few hits to that. But other than like T205, T206, and you know the uh, the, the 30s gum cards, which are popular, not I, don't, I haven't noticed any other trend besides that really. Anson, can I ask you quickly? Tell folks what trade cards are because you could walk into an antique store or a mid-century modern. I mean, you know, just whatever vintage stores. And there will be complete albums full of different trade cards, and a lot of them aren't worth more than a dollar or two or three. Um, but some of them are amazingly valuable. Uh, just give us a quick, you know, a primer about trade cards and what someone should look for. Sure. So, so trade cards basically the, the best definition I've ever heard of it um, is they were they were basically uh, 19th century business cards and. And so basically what you had were you had these printing companies that would um, work with artists to to design like these these basic cards. Most of the time they just had like a color uh, lithographic picture on the front and then a blank back. And then uh, businesses would buy them and they would either stamp their name on the front or stamp their name on the back or, um, you know, sometimes they had them printed on there, which, which made it look a little cleaner. And they basically use them as business cards. Um, you know, they handed them out, I assume, and I, I assume they, they probably sold some. But um, they were basically like uh, they're, they're also called advertising cards, and, and that's a pretty uh, accurate description. They were, they were basically used to advertise businesses. So a lot of times you'll see these cards. You may see the same picture, um, but you may see like 10 different ones with, with just different businesses that used it. And it was sort of a precursor, you know, to the, the tobacco cards, the T206 cards, which had all those different tobacco brands on the back. It was basically the same card uh, with, with just different advertising info. So you're exactly right. A lot of them are not worth a whole lot. Um, primarily the non-sports ones are, you know, there are some valuable ones in, in that sector, but um, the more valuable ones typically are, are anything related to sports. And uh, obviously, if you get you know something that's tied to a specific player, that's even better. But there really aren't too many trade cards that focused on um, on actual players. Like typically, you've got like generic baseball scenes, or you know, like like a child holding a bat or something. Mm-hmm. And there there are a lot of cheaper ones. You know, you can get some some cheaper baseball ones for you know ten to twenty bucks. But there are some that you know I track pretty closely that. Um, that I, I at least like to follow what they sell for. And, and some of them, there was one that I was, was bidding on, and I was thinking it was going under the radar. It was bid up to like 10 bucks with, you know, like a half hour left, and it ended up selling for about $300, wow. which, was about, yeah. which was about the going rate for it. Okay, I so there really were a lot of I, other Ansons out there waiting on it, thinking yeah, I'm about to get it for 12 yeah, bucks. there's a lot of people. There's <laughs> certainly a lot of people coming down to the wire on these things that, that you know, are, are kind of equipped with the same kind of information. Um, but, yeah, some of them, they're, like Sporting Life uh, had created, like, a huge series of, of baseball ones and, and they're just generic baseball scenes but you know those are they sell for 100 150 you know 200 bucks a piece so there are certainly some some more valuable ones out there anything that you can find that has like baseball on it if, if you can you know get it at a, a low price it, it's typically worth your while because because those are the ones that are you know really sought after Hey, Anson, I was going to ask you, uh, on behalf of our listeners, some advice. There's so many new people coming 
into the hobby. And some of them, they might can keep up with the modern card market, but they're clueless when it comes to the vintage market. But some of them want to collect some old stuff, but really don't know where to start. You got any sets, any particular favorites? If say a guy's got $1,000 he wants to put into vintage cards just to kind of get his feet wet, any any sets and maybe maybe even, you know, 50, 60 sets where he might want to pick out a few singles just to kind of get, uh, to add a few to his collection. You got any favorites you'd recommend somebody uh, taking a stab at? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've, I get that question a lot, and, and the first answer I, I typically give people is, is the nineteen thirty six uh, Gaudi set. That has it's it's a you know popular company. Um, it's a short set. I, if geez, I'm going by memory here, but I think it's got twenty five cards in it, maybe. Um, and commons in that set, you know, you can you can start low grade commons at, at like ten to fifteen bucks. I had I had some fun the one weekend. I I had I did not have any of those cards in my collection, and uh, I actually was on COMC and just looking around, digging around, and there's some there's some pre war stuff there on occasion that, that I'm able to find, and I picked up a few commons, and then I I looked and, and saw just how few cards were actually in the set. And I said, I'm going to just see, you know, how close I can get. And, and between there and eBay, I had basically put together a set, you know, that like in an afternoon. I mean, it's, it was oh, that wow. easy. Hmm. The most, expen- most expensive card was, I think, like Hank Greenberg, um, which I got, I got a lower grade one. It, it ended up costing me about 40 bucks or so. Um, today, it's probably a little cheaper. But I, I put together a set. Um, of those cards for for something like three hundred bucks, I think, and it was just uh, it's dirt cheap. So that's a great set to get started with. I I always point people to that. Um, you know, I know everybody wants to jump into uh, like T two hundred six and T two hundred five and stuff. They're really popular, you know, heavy handed sets. But um, those like nineteen thirties cards, nineteen forty one play balls is another great one. That's that's got about. Uh, 72 cards maybe um that was another one i'm actually still working on that i'm just missing the uh the dimaggio but that was another one like within a weekend i think i had had like half the set from just comc and ebay just buying up you know mostly commons and then you know adding the stars later and stuff that that one wasn't too bad that's sort of like a, a second step but yeah, 1936 Gaudi, uh, Goody, whatever, whatever you people say these days. Um, that that would be my. That's always like my recommendation to start because it's a popular name. It's it's a short set. There's a few stars, but it's it's not difficult and it's really easy to get your feet wet. Wrap it up with Anson Whaley again from PreWarCards.com. Last thing for you, Anson, and I'm going to be specific here. You know, Joe's doing the nice things. Like, hey, tell all the listeners. I'm saying no. Tell Chuck. Um, I've become a little obsessed with the Croft Candy and Croft Cocoa cards, and I only ran them across across them on your site. Um, I even want one of the boxes. I want the can. I want the glass jug. I want it's just gorgeous <laughs> stuff. Give us a little bit of a bird's eye on Croft Candy and Croft Cocoa. Sure, sure. So, so those are part of um, the set that's been designated as is E E ninety two. And um, basically, it's a standard candy card set. A lot of the pictures you, you'll actually recognize in other e-card sets. It's one of those things that the, the images were used in, in a bunch of sets. But there are four sets in, in uh, specifically that uh, Jefferson Burdick had, had called basically these E92 cards. Uh, two of them are, are Croft Candy and Croft Cocoa sets. 
Um, those are parallel sets. Um, I think they've got 50 cards in, in each one. And then there's Dockman and Nadja. And, and Nadja, like, there are other Nadja Caramel cards uh, that are pretty tough, and, and it's the same in E92. Those are pretty rare as well. Um, any E92 cards, the Dockman is, is typically the easiest one, and you can get those, you know, low-grade starting at about probably 30 or 40 bucks. Um, but the Cross Candy and Cross Coco, uh, they're sort of in the, the middle there. They're, they're definitely tougher. Um, the easiest type of, of those are um, – so there's three types of Croft candy. There's black, red, and blue. Uh, the black ones are, are by far the easiest ones, and then the red and blue ones are, are tougher. Um, and then Croft Cocoa uh, is, is sort of – Croft Cocoa is, is not quite as rare as, as the red and blue of the candy, but it's – you know, it's it's similar. It's definitely it's definitely much rarer than you know the black, uh, the Croft Candy black. So the cheapest one, you know, if you're going that route and you really wanted to get into those cards, the, the cheapest ones you're going to find are going to be the the Croft Candy black ones. They, those typically start, you know, lower grade. I'd say about fifty to seventy five bucks. Um, Red and blue, you, you you could pay. It depends if you if you get a dealer that knows. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> some dealers don't know the difference. You get a dealer that knows the difference. You're probably going to pay double that for for a red or a blue one. Um, maybe even more for a red one, which I I think is the toughest. And then uh, cocoa, you know, you're probably looking at about a hundred bucks to start. Probably maybe seventy five, seventy five to hundred bucks uh, for one of those. They're they're nice cards. Um, you know, they're not, like I said, a lot of people that chase E92 will go after the Dockmans just because that is, those are like by far the easiest ones. Um, but the Croft Candy, I, I, I love the Croft Cocoa ads on yeah. the back yeah. uh, with that bottle, that vintage bottle. It's just a, a really cool look. So, and I've been able to find, yeah, nice yeah, I've been able to find a couple of the bottles. Uh, they seem to go in the 300 to 350 range on eBay, and so I'm keeping my eyes peeled for that. But, hey, I've got good news. Uh, Joe has already promised me that every Croft Candy and Croft Cocoa card that walks through his door, he's going to funnel straight to me. Joe, we got a deal on that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I expect to see uh, so many of those in the, in the near future. But no, yeah, no. right. Anson. I, I, I'll be happy to buy them. Go ahead. I, I really appreciate your time, amigo. Uh, so much great information. We're going to have you on again soon. I got so much great response last time we had you on. Uh, we wanted to schedule again. So thank you for making time. No, no, any any time. I'm happy to do it. Thank you for inviting me. I, I uh, consider it a privilege. So thanks a lot. All right. Anson Whaley from prewarcards.com. Joe buys a box. Uh-oh, the man said it. That means we got to tell you about it. Joe buys a box ahead of the weekend, uh, Thursday, Friday. Joe picks out a box. He's going to tell us what box he's getting, how much it's going to cost, and then what is inside. Joe, what are you buying for the weekend? Well, to be honest, Chuck, we may have to rename the segment Joe Buys a Pack for this week. Uh-oh. because We're talking Spectra Football, 2020 Spectra Football, four autographs, six memorabilia cards, but they run about seven fifty a box, so I may be popping a pack because it's a four pack box, four four cards per pack. But uh, would love to see one of the uh, rookie quarterbacks come out of one of these packs. Uh, you know, uh, it's funny. I, I knew somebody who owned a bar, and he said it's not free. The food and the alcohol, it's not free just because you own the bar. Same thing. The cards aren't free just because you got the key to the door, right? 
That's right. Yeah. All right. Uh, we also do Chuck's Vintage Set of the Week, brought to you by Oxygen Financial. Again, breathe easy, Oxygen Financial. If you're a collector or a dealer, we got great information from Tyler Huck from uh, Oxygen, who was on with us, I believe, the previous episode. Uh, so go back and listen to that one as well. Joe, I'm going to fudge a little bit if I have some permission, because vin- uh, Vintage, you cut it off at 80 if you're liberal, probably 72, 73 when they stopped having series. Uh, I'm going outside that. It's our podcast. We can do what we want. I'm going to 1984. Uh, the Tops 1984 USFL set. I have never had much respect for something that came in a box set. Um, it just screams traded set to me that, you know, maybe I didn't really want. The 84 USFL set, uh, it was a tremendous year for football anyway. Um, yep. But my goodness, 132 cards. It came in a box, and they had their own Hall of Famers in there as well. Reggie White, Herschel Walker was in there, Steve Young. Um, it is, it, it, it's lasted better. It has aged better than anything associated with the USFL, I believe. Yeah, it's such, and don't forget Jim Kelly. Jim you Kelly, know, yeah. Great, great set, and very, very sought after. You know, I always talk the graded angle, very sought after from graded card collectors. Of course, I was speaking of Reggie White. A Reggie White will set you back about ten grand if you want a ten on that card. Whoa. Wow, and there are a bunch yeah. of yeah, a bunch of NFL players that um, you know had switched leagues, as well as a bunch of college players who probably wouldn't have made it to the NFL, but they wound up having big careers because they started in the USFL. Again, it was issued in 1984 in the box, and um, I, as Joe has said, it's been broken out almost exclusively. You'll see singles. You won't see a lot of the sets anymore because people open them up and they see there's a lot of great cards. Joe Cribbs and Greg Landry and Brian Sipe and a bunch of others. Uh, and so they break those out and will get them graded. And you're right, the high-end uh, grades on those, some of them are just really, really hard to, to, to find, much less afford. So I'm going uh, 1984 USFL football. Uh, Joe, you're going to give me those when they walk through the door as well as the Croft candies, okay? Well, I got to give you a great story while we're on 84 USFL football. I actually did buy two sets of those at a yard sale about two years ago for a whopping $10 a set. So that was quite a fine that day. Oh, it's good to be you, man. Absolutely is good to be you. And you know what the thing is? It's not necessarily the money all the time. It's just that I made a deal. You know, I I, I made a deal and it was good. So, Joe, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, We will be back next Thursday with another edition of The Collector and the Dealer. A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.